Hello and welcome everybody to today's episode. I am very excited to have this guest on uh, for episode 23. Uh, Michael Boyd is a student, a first mate, and the main reason that I got him on is he is also an underwater videographer. And I came across him on Instagram and his videos are just an absolute marvel. I'm so glad that I've got him on the podcast. Everyone give him a warm welcome, Michael Boyd. Well, thank you for having me. Um, This is my first podcast ever, and it's exciting. All new experiences. I'm glad the the underwater videos are uh, making people happy. And yeah, I'm I'm Michael Boyd. I'm from California. Right, right. Well, like I said uh, in the intro there, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. it is, you know, I, I flick through, it must be hundreds, you know, if not a thousand reels a day searching for new people to get on the podcast and people that I find super interesting and just what I come across. Um, I, it, I don't care about their following. I mean, I'm currently talking to a lad that's got a hundred followers, like no one really follows him, but I think his story is amazing. I want him to tell more people and, you know, he'll grow himself and, and so will I. In turn, it's a you know give and take in this world, I think, and yeah, and I this is probably the best thing I've ever done because I get to speak to people like yourself. Um, so the original, uh, the the first video that I ever came across of yours was the uh, my good time boy, <laughs> like that video is the perfect it's got the perfect audio for it it is just amazing as soon as i and i saw it and i was like has this guy got a pet seal like that that obviously then i was just like i need to have a click and have a look through some of his videos and yeah like well you 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 know you taught me through it because obviously i'm just seeing it through the camera lens it must be insane to live it um, it's just, there's this one snorkel spot in, um, Orange County and it's in like, like we're doing there, the seals are all over. Um, I've seen them in La Jolla, you know, San Diego, Laguna beach, and they just love this one little area that I go and the kelp usually the past few years, our kelp has been kind of dying off, not that healthy, but, uh, the last winter the water was really cold. And I think that helped with the kelp growth and it kept the kelp forest there longer. So the seals like love that little area. It's a fun little area for them to just kind of float up to the surface and get their breath, bask in the sun. So I was just snorkeling and I look for these things called kelpfish, um, giant kelpfish. They're like really pretty colors. There's like red, green, yellow. They essentially just blend in. So you can really only see them when they're moving. And I just felt like a little tug on my leg. And I was like, all right, this is either another snorkeler or um, probably a seal or a sea lion tell me to get out turn around and I see that guy little I think it's a male I'm not sure I really need to figure that out um and he's just super curious in my fin and I know like once you once you get that interaction you can't really do any fast movements um the marine mammal protection act that we have here in the states uh, I think it was 1972 the marine mammal protection act kind of protects like whales dolphins um pinnipeds cetaceans pinnipeds are like sea lions and seals and stuff 
Um, you just, you can't interact with them. You never touch them. You never pursue them. You never chase them. So you just kind of float their limp and whatever that seal wants to do, it's going to do. Um, except if it starts showing signs of aggression, then like that's your sign to remove yourself from the area. And they have these cute little nails on their um, front little flippers, uh, pectoral fins, maybe you can call them, but they, they love to scratch. They're super tactile. They're social. And he was just curious. He was just scratching up my fin, um, bopping me with his nose. And he, he just kept doing this. And they love following you. They're kind of like cats. They only want attention on their terms. So um, once they investigate you, um, this one specifically does a twirl a lot of the time. So he'll like twirl and when he's done. So I'm like, okay, now I can resume my snorkeling. I'll dive down and I'll see because my goggles have the uh, windows on the sides. I'll see like the figure of something and I'll look over and sure enough, there he is just peeking through the kelp, trying to see what I'm trying to look at. And if it's like lobsters or sheephead, he'll come over, look at what I'm looking at, look at me. And he'll just do this like, like three takes and then zoom off away. So it's amazing. So for you on in, in that instance, flip it to him. What do you think he thinks or how you fit into the ecosystem in the water? I think um, that area is heavily trafficked with like snorkelers and um, just beach goers. So he already knows that we're not a threat. If yeah. So if I was on like some random Island and these seals never saw me before, um, I feel like they'd also be curious, but more cautious because they don't know if I'm a threat or not yet. So do you always get the same reaction with him and does he react differently to you, to other people? I've only seen him out there one time with other people. People chase him. Um, I like to tell him not to. You're not, you're not, it's like illegal. Um, but once he starts getting chased, he removes himself from the area. When you say chase, how fast can a seal swim? Surely he can swim a These lot things can do like bursts of, I'm pretty sure like faster than um, like, all my all my uh, marine naturalist friends are gonna correct me, but like at least faster than fifteen knots. Like they can zoom so fast, they're like little torpedoes. Um, they steer with their like upper flippers, yeah. and they propel themselves with their um, rear rear flippers. Yeah. When you say people are chasing them, though, there's no real expectation they're going to ever catch a seal. They're not going to catch them. They're just trying to like look at. They're like so captivated, they want to look at it more. So yeah. he'll go that way. They'll like go that way and they're at the surface, right? So they're kicking, causing all this noise and bubbles and commotion. And for a seal, that's not comfortable. So they're just out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diving out. Yeah. So the kelp fish, that was another one actually that I, I obviously flicked onto um, with them. Because I, my granddad was a very keen fisherman. Very, very keen fisherman. Always had a rod in his hand. My dad, if so, me and my brother's, don't do none of it so it sort of died out in the family so i knew what a kelp fish was i'd heard it before do you know what i mean but i had no idea what it was right until i saw your video and then i was like oh it literally it disguises itself as kelp exactly yeah and there's yeah. like varieties of them so like they'll come like disguise themselves as like the red algae that grows down there or the green eelgrass and it's just amazing how they can match the patterns of their surroundings so well yeah how do they 
fix their self down. They this is cool. Okay, I don't know what these little things are called, but right underneath their um, so like here's their chin, and then right underneath that, like right before their belly, there's these two prongs. And if you watch the videos, you can see them engage those prongs, and they essentially just grab on to the like algae and kelp around them and the eelgrass, and they just hold on tight. Um, when they're holding on to stuff and there's a lot of surge, you can just see them flip, flop, flip, flop. And when they do that, sometimes it will give a shine, and that also gives them away when I'm looking for them. So those little prongs, they just hold on for dear life. Like when when the waves are big, they can just you know they push through and there's like four foot sets coming and they can hold on through those sets and i'm just getting like tossed yeah i mean that's what the best you could see how turbulent the water was and yeah and they were just sort of flopping side to side and i showed my daughter actually she's 12 and i'm, I'm really pushing her out of her education and stuff and I said, I said, look at how quick that water's moving. Like that must be have that it's got to have something on it, whether it's a suction or whatever it is, to 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 hold it there because it's staying dead still. It wasn't like it was swaying, you know, you know, in the water with it. It's got to obviously match the kelp. So, yeah, but that's yeah, that's in, insane. What an evolutionary uh, thing to happen for it to yeah evolve like that. Um, and then you've got the inspecting the pockets. Yeah, that that was funny. <laughs> um, so the is that the same seal? Seal that was the same seal. Um, this local lady out there gave him a name, and his name's Onyx because um, he's like deep black and he's got those little white rings. Which I think Onyx is a beautiful name, but I didn't know that was his name. So initially, I just called him Mister Cuddles because of his behavior. Um, so I like to go down. And um, I don't really have a weight belt, so I just kind of blow out all my air to lose buoyancy, go down as deep as I can, and I just grab on to a rock that doesn't have much like growth on it, because um, even like the smallest bit of algae is home to little critters. So I just grab on like a barren rock, hold myself down, and I look for like you know lobsters, sheephead, all that fun stuff, kelpfish, and then I just like just zoomed over me like a plane came down and just started, you know, doing his little finger thing on my pockets. I'm like, all right, now he's interested in my, my swim trunks. I let him do his thing. And then when I run out of air, I just kind of let go and just passively float up. And that's when I float up, he'll like grab onto my leg and use me as like an elevator because he needs, he's a mammal. So he needs to breathe too. So he'll float up with me and then I get my breath. He like goes a little bit of uh, like five feet down the kelp line and he gets his breath. And we like catch our breath together, but of course he can hold it twenty times longer than me, probably like fifty times longer than me. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So when you're exhaling, you know, to get to lose your buoyancy, how long are you staying under there after your exhale? Um, I like so I take my deep breath, I go down, I pressurize, and I'm like kicking down, so I'm countering the uh, buoyancy. Then once I get to the spot I like, I'll just slowly let out air, so I'm not like floating up or if the rock's not heavy enough i can do like maybe a, not much not like like a minute is my cornerstone or my average i really need a weight belt i just don't have one um i'm kind of like i don't free dive but i just go down and try to stay down yeah 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 obviously the weight belt would make you descent a lot quicker um yeah oh that's cool right yeah i just thought that well how long have you been doing this for then I've been snorkeling like 
pretty much since I was like 10. I love it. But I like the whole point or the whole start of me going underwater more um, just came from like meeting people and stuff. I was a surfer first. So I was like above the surface. And I would always see things as I'm paddling out. Uh, on a really clear day, you can see like our California state fish, the Garibaldi. So I'd, I'd paddle out be like, oh, wow, the visibility is amazing today. You know, have my surf. And then so and so I did that for years. And then I like met someone that um, she was like specifically. Um, she worked a lot of jobs like she did whale watching, um, like Ocean Institute stuff, like aquarium stuff, marine mammal uh, rescue. And she was like showing me stuff that she saw in her water, all the fish. She, she was like the one that introduced me to kelp fish. And I was like, holy crap, there's that much under our surface. And I've just been like surfing on top of it this whole time. Um, yeah, she like showed me the whole under, underwater housing thing. You can just use your phone. Like the barrier to entry now is your phone and like a $200 case. Like that's all you need. And like snorkel, sure. Goggles, fins wetsuit maybe depending on where you are i don't know how cold the water is over there hmm. um but yeah she essentially showed me what's under the surface and super grateful for that because uh when i go down there it's just like i'm removed from you know land problems and i'm just floating weightless in the water just seeing this whole it almost feels like space because you're seeing so much so like especially if you focus on a small little patch that's what i kind of do I'll look at a small like five foot by five foot patch and just like let my eyes look for movement. And that's how you see all like the kelp fish camouflage. Sometimes you'll see a, uh, a round stingray just on the sand floor, uh, a halibut camouflage. And you'll see like the Garibaldi being territorial, fighting each other, the kelp bass coming in to see like if there's any food. And like the seal just coming over to check you out. But there's just so much underwater. And uh, I didn't really focus on that until after I met that person. Yeah. When you say about being removed from the, you know, the on land problems, I could not agree more with you. I think that that is one of the core, the root causes of a lot of the issues in the societies today, or especially on social media, because I play football and I've started playing for a relatively good team now for my level of fitness that I'm currently at. Um, and they're hungry to play football, and so am I now. And when I'm on that pitch, I am only thinking about football. There is nothing else in like it doesn't matter what's going on in the other, you know, 21 lads' lives that are running around that pitch. During that time, the only thing they're thinking about is that leather ball. And I think too many people don't have an outlet like that in their, you know, in their um outside, like you know, as a hobby or anything like that. I think that's why there's a lot of this sort of stuff on social media where it's, you know, shouty, shouty and I'm right, you're wrong and, and all the rest of it. But when you look at it, a lot of it is just for social media and people know that it is because I've never, ever been in a supermarket and seen a vegan shouting at someone buying a steak. I've never seen it, but yet you see it on YouTube all the right. time. People go mad at people and that. And I just don't think it happens in 99% of you know reality um but yeah sorry i got on a bit of a tangent then but that is yeah i think everyone needs that break from reality yeah for me it was like 
uh, nurse, like finals tests and stuff. Um, nursing school, just big. I got big waves of imposter syndrome. Um, you know, I was like, can I do this? Should I do this? I know I want to do it, but can I do it? Um, high school, I was like a CB student, you know, nothing to write home about. College, got it up to like B's and A's. And then now they're like all A's because I'm actually really passionate about nursing and the courses I'm taking and the students in my cohort. But there's still that like ounce of uh, imposter syndrome that kind of follows me around. And then when I go out on the water, I don't have to think about it. I just think about finding cool critters underneath the surface, not uh, getting too cold. And just, uh, I pick up a lot of trash too. I like, it's almost like a treasure hunt. I found like iPhones, watches, tons of fun stuff. Um, but it's all like technically trash. So I remove it. I actually returned a dude's phone like half a year ago. It was still working. It was pretty cool. No, so, how, yeah. what, how did that go about then? There's a story there. Oh, sorry for the cough. That's um, right. this, this was down in San Diego. You know those little bags people put their phone in with the lanyard and they wear them around like a necklace? Yeah, the waterproof things, yeah. Yeah, they, they usually take them to water parks. Um, I was snorkeling and there's this area with a lot of leopard sharks. And I saw like this, uh, I don't have anything to show you, but it was like the lanyard and it was floating up. So I, was, I went over and I immediately knew what it was. So I start digging at the sand. And the leopard sharks are so used to like snorkelers and stuff. They're just doing their thing. They're really pretty um, docile sharks. And they go to like warmer waters to gestate. A lot of the females do. So they're just kind of like in the background. I'm like digging and I finally get it and I pull it out. And I hit the lock button and it turns on. It's got like 80% battery. So I know this thing was lost like either today or yesterday. I get out of the water. Um, and the only way I was able to return it is because the person used first and last names for their contacts. So like everyone was texting that phone and I was able to locate them through Facebook and be like, Hey, do you know this person? Do you know this person? And I have their phone. Um, it's in great condition. Uh, here, here's where I live. Like you come to me, I'm not going to gas is expensive. So you come to me and get your phone back. <laughs> and they actually only live like 40 minutes away and they showed up and we set our highs and the person already, he, he already bought a new phone the next day. He actually lost it. So he lost it on a Saturday. I found it on a Sunday. They're doing a little staycation. Um, and I guess like he bought a new phone the next morning. And then I texted them at like, uh, they, they came at like 10 a.m. So like two hours after he bought his new phone, he got his old phone back in perfect condition. And he was like, well, I guess I'll keep it for a backup. And I'm like, well, at least he got all the photos because he didn't use um, iCloud to back anything up. So that's what he was most worried about. Yeah. I had an exact same scenario the other day. I took the kids out for a walk. Obviously, it's on the land, not in the sea. Um, and there was just randomly a phone on the floor in the field. And I said to my daughter, I said, go and pick that up. I said, see what's what with it, because she's more techie than I am. And she went straight onto emergency, medical ID, straight to the phone contacts. Boom. Oh, yeah, there's a number here, Dad, we can ring. So I rang him. Oh, yeah, that's my mum's phone. She lives here. I was nice enough to drop it off, though. Um, but that was only because she was on our walk. I didn't have to. I didn't have to drive anywhere because you are correct. Petrol is very steep at the minute. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, I've got a diesel and it's yeah still absolutely yeah. crucifying me. So yeah, we were on a walk and yeah, but she got it back. Uh, and it was the same again with her. She was like a sixty-nine-year-old lady, um, so she hadn't 
she didn't have nothing backed up on it. So she was very, very grateful for me to get it back to her. That's, that's awesome. Saving memories. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because I know how dear my phone is to me. Like, I've got everything on there. Obviously, I've been contacting you for it. I've got all my other guests, and I've got recordings on there that are solely on there at the minute because I'm just going for a big backup on it, like with an end of external hard drive. So I've got, you know, two bases. Um, but, yeah, like, whew, I'd be I'd be ruined without my phone if I lost it. Yeah, me yeah. too. It'd be brutal. Um, and then as well, on one of your videos um there's well i'm sure on a few of the videos there's quite a few fish that i have no idea what they are um but one of them that got me was the spanish shoal nuda branch oh that thing see i did um the way you pronounced it funny story so that person that introduced me to the uh you know underwater world or yeah showed me all the cool things that exist and uh she actually showed me the whale watching industry too I was working in the ER at the time. Sorry, this is a tangent, but I was working in the ER and, you know, I'm making like a little bit above minimum wage and I see we're like hanging out and I see all these like tips she's getting. And I'm like, oh my God, like that's awesome. Um, like what's, what are your duties as a uh, naturalist or mate on your well watching boat? And she explains and I'm like, that sounds like the best job ever. Um, so when I got into nursing school, I was like, I want to do that. So in my area in San Diego, I found a company that does whale watching, but it's only like seasonal. So I got hired on in December. I just worked through dinner cruises, booze cruises, stuff I wasn't passionate about at all. But I know I was getting my sea time for my captain's license and experience to apply to other whale watching companies. And I met some great people while I was there. And then they started their gray whale season. Amazing. Um, I met some of like the best first mates ever and shout out to this uh first mate Jaden. they were amazing they were like they taught me everything um and scotty they taught me how to like handle lines how to not get my finger cut off by the uh, cleat in the line and we saw all these amazing wells the captains were great gave me all their knowledge and then i came back up to uh orange county area which is just north of san diego because I, I didn't want to pay rent. So at the old man's house, I'd rather pay tuition than rent. Um, and in this area, I use that experience to apply to whale watching in this area. And I honestly, I just forgot what the tangent. Can you remind me what my tangent was? Um, the, oh, the Nuda branch. Sorry, the Nuda branch. branch yeah. yeah. So I used the experience to get a job here. But like before, you know, all that fun stuff. I went with that girl to the Pacific Northwest in like Washington area, like the San Juan Islands. And um, she was talking with everyone on the boat because like, you know, she's super knowledgeable. And then I like, I forgot what we were talking about, but I kind of like butt in and I'm like, yeah, like this Nuda branch was amazing. And then after she's like, it's actually pronounced Nuda Brank. And I said it like in front of people and I was like, oh, wow. Like that was bad. That was terrible pronunciation. People that know. Yeah, they were all like, um, they call them like whale nerds. So they're very knowledgeable in pronunciation and everything. And I was like confident. I was like, that Nuda branch was awesome. <laughs> and no one corrected me until after. Too polite. So it's called a Nuda Brank. Nuda Brank, yeah. So Spanish shawl Nuda Brank. Um, that thing is an alien. There's a whole bunch of them with different colors and that's another thing I look for. They could be so small, uh, you'll miss them. But thankfully, sorry. How big was that one that 
it was in the picture because there's no obviously there's nothing to gauge it off of that one was like the size of kind of like the last joint on your fingertip so like of your know. index finger yeah of your index finger so not big no, not um, cool. yeah they have those bright colors i guess um researchers think the bright colors are to deter animals to make the animals think that the nudibranchs are poisonous I'm not sure if some of them are. I really need to look look into that so I, I learn. But they're cool. It's so funny how they swim. They just fold, fold in, fold out, fold in, fold out. Yeah, um, it's mad. To start with, you think it's just a, like a, a, I don't know, a piece of a flower, I suppose, that's just sort of thing. And, yeah, I don't know whether it's it's that, whether they appear to animals to be unedible for whatever reason, just for, you know, lack of nutrient as well as, you know, maybe poisonous. Um, yeah, it's it, it's just a yeah fascinating creature. Like you say, it is completely. What's in the ocean is. The, I was I was re- reading something the other day. Is it right that we've only discovered or we've only mapped or whatever sort of five percent of the ocean? I know for sure we don't we don't have it all figured out when it comes to the like certain areas of the ocean and like depth and there's still new um species to discover so with that i think you're right yeah there's like we don't know that much yeah we know more about the moon i think i think it's very very low i think it's like we've we've searched five percent of the ocean or something yeah and we've polluted like a hundred percent yeah 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 with oil spills and stuff um yeah that was that's crazy so you've so you mentioned then obviously that you're trained to become a captain right how's that going that is a a long process you need 720 days of sea time um i've got like um almost 200 now I, i guess but there's different types of licenses that allow you to drive or operate different boats so if i get these um i call it like the entry license but no one else does it's called the six pack license you only need 360 days, I believe. So that would be the first one I get. And that one only lets you take six passengers. So you're limited on like passenger size. So with your company, you'll only probably do a couple trips a week because you're doing the private charters where it's like a whole family coming out. And it's just you and the family. You don't need like a, a first mate or anything. But once you go over six passengers and you're at seven passengers, then you need a mate. And if the boat's bigger, um, like, you need like a 25 ton license for certain boats, 50 ton, 100 ton. They're like called master's license. Some captains I knew had an unlimited and those are like the massive ships that do cargo, like car carriers and stuff. So it, it's a very deep industry with a lot of room to grow if someone wants to like ever become a boat captain. Yes. So you just touched on it there. When you talk about them, you know, them big cargo ships, they are some you know big old fellas how long would you have had in the saddle to captain one of them i wish i knew i because i'm only focused on like the smaller boats for whale watching so that's as far as my knowledge really goes but i can't even imagine how many days you need for those unlimited captain's license yeah that seems yeah working in san diego bay it's you see the car carriers come from uh like um asia or japan and korean stuff and they are just absolutely 
there are like skyscrapers on their side just coming in. Yeah, and it's the lot because it's it's an insane amount to stop as well, isn't it? If they've got to stop, it's it's like right. It's like and, kilometers that they take to stop. Um, before those big ships come in, I believe there's a pilot that knows the bay, knows like the uh, underwater contours where the shallow spots are, where the deep parts are. And that pilot gets um, taken out to that ship to navigate it in because the, like, it's not the same captain that brings the boat in. It's got to be that pilot for that bay because they know the bay like top down. Ah, right. I, yeah, I never, I never knew what that was, or how how that happened. I was just like, "What the hell? These captains that go all over the place. They just must be." Yeah, you can stay in one bay, and if you're like the the pilot for that bay, you just drive a whole bunch of different ships, and you get them in safely to that bay, and you can get to stay in one spot. You don't have to like travel the world and leave your friends and family. Yeah, you literally. That's like the ideal job, isn't it? I suppose. Cause you get yeah once you have kids right yeah because you can then do ships do do what your dream is you know what i mean you ride ship drive ship ship still but yeah you're home every night yeah um yeah that's well i suppose how would that work though because would you i take it ships come in 20 i'm literally i don't do anything to do with the sea so this is how sort of um empty-headed i am towards that a bit of an ape um i take it obviously ships come in the bay you know morning noon and night so you would have it's constantly manned 24 hour manned san usual bay luckily is not um like a major port for goods it's a port for bulk cargo so like weird objects that can't fit in the storage containers will come in and car carriers there's like a car carrier offloading site so because of that if we're not like los angeles or long beach where we get the massive tankers coming in and cargo ships We'll get uh, one every couple of days, but the car carriers have a pretty strict schedule. And it's pretty funny because the Dole uh, ship comes in from South America, carrying all the bananas and flowers and fruits and stuff. And their schedule's like Monday, Friday or something. It's like, it's not every day. So there's days where you don't, you don't see the big ships out there. You see the naval, the naval fleet, the warships are always out. So it's cool to see like aircraft carriers and, all the destroyers coming in and out. Yeah. So is the aim for you to end up with your own boat or you're only ever going to want a captain? Um, I'd probably stay with the company I'm at just because of the people and the culture and the emphasis on uh, conservation. Um, those big ships, like they do a good, a lot of good, such as like bringing in food and all that fun stuff, bringing cars over, but they also hit a lot of whales. Um, a lot of whale strikes happen with those big ships and they're trying to, I guess, move the shipping highway out of the whale highway, um, just to reduce whale strikes. So, I mean, I say they're cool to like see come in, but there are a lot of downfalls of those big ships, but, um, back to my company. Yeah. I just absolutely love it. I'll probably stay with my company. Uh, you know what they say, like buying your own boat. That's like the biggest hit of money you can get um because they'll just have problems and stuff when you work for a company and like your operations team is great you work with them to make sure all the boats are maintained and if something breaks you have like 20 people fixing it instead of just you and um they they have like a lot more licensing and permits and 
you can bring more passengers depending on your license. So I'd probably stay with the company. Nice. Is that the usual sort of trajectory for for the job? Like you would get with a, a, a lot of people say? branch out. They branch out and they do their own thing. They get their own little like 30 foot and under boat and they bring, they get their six pack license and that, that's where they stop because they just want to, they want their boat, their call. Um, there's a lot of people that do extended tours, like eight hour whale watching. Like you get on the boat at nine and you get off at five, which is rough, but you can see so much more with uh, a lot of our other companies around here. They'll do two hours um, to like two and a half hours. So you're, you're limited with time and the bigger the boat, usually the slower it goes. So if you see a spout like three miles out and you know, your boat can only do like 12 knots and you got to be back at the dock in an hour. Um, you might not get to that well, depending if it's moving. Uh, but if it's feeding, you might get to it. But when you have your own boat, you see the spout, you have your own boat, you know, it can go like 40 knots. You're going to get to that whale and get like a guaranteed sighting for your passengers. Yeah. So is it quite a, uh, it must be a dog eat dog world in the sort of wild. <laughs> I feel like it, that might have been a thing in the past, but a lot of the companies now work together. Like they're all on the radio. Um, they'll be like, Hey, we have a whale at uh, these coordinates. I'm about to switch off. And then can someone else come up and stay with it? That way, when I get my new passengers, I can meet you. So it's like, you kind of like, stick to the whale safely though you know keep your distance 100 yards and that way when that other company comes with new people they get to see the whale too then you go unload reload and then come back and then it's just the rotation begins yeah 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 that's a lot better mentality because it means that everyone guarantees everyone else's success right rather than looking out for you yourself and, and going at it alone um so what if if you could tell anyone that's starting, you know, doing reels now or or what whatever they are doing in life, what advice would you give them? For the reels, I, I this is what I do. I don't I don't know if it's advice, but it's what I do. Um, if I go to the explore page and I like my friends sending me really funny like animal reels and stuff, and the audio is just so funny or just really pretty like piano music or orchestrated music or just a really funny song or um, a song from one of the artists I like I save the audio like save and forget so I save the audio and then I just go about my day and then I'll go snorkeling record a video come home watch the video and I'm like I wonder if I have any saved audios that will pair with this well so I you know set the reel up look at my audio tab and I just play through them and once you get that gut feeling when they connect well, that's it. I add the audio and post. That's that's my process. I just save from the explore page or reels that people send me or I send them. And then I, I pair it with a clip that I uh, recorded and see if it works. Yeah. Have you ever thought about do releasing your own audio in it? I, I literally don't know how. Like That's how um, new I am to reels. So no. I, I know you can like upload stuff, but I don't want to, I don't know how the copyright claims work. I don't want to like have audio that has a claim or um, a copyright, save it and post it illegally. You know, well, I need to educate myself in that area. Yeah. 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 Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? 
Um, I see that timer ticking down. It's like a time bomb. That. I'm again. Uh, we can just <laughs> press the button again and start the forty minutes. Don't worry about that. Uh, well, if a lot of people ask me when they're on the boat, they're like, "How do I work here? How do I get a job like this?" It it like it could see like there's a big barrier to entry, like the whale watching industry. But if you're passionate about animals and protecting them, whether it's like even the sea lions, the seals, the cetaceans, even like the small little fish down to like a kelp bass, um, you can just like whale watching companies are a lot more welcoming than like your normal commercial corporate HR company, like the people interviewing you there are going to be a lot more stricter in terms of well watching companies. They're like, they see your energy. Um, sure. You might not have experience, but if you like are passionate about it, um, more than welcome to like, come on interview. That's essentially what I did. I still feel like I didn't have experience when I applied. I, I had experience with bigger ships um, but this well watching job, I just essentially showed how passionate I am and how I want to help with the conservation. And I think that's what helped me get the position rather than my past work experience. Cause you can work on like a sport fishing vessel. And if you're like a fisherman, um, you're not really too focused on the whales. You can just show up and be like, yeah, I know how to tie lines. Like I know how to pump out the boat, gas up the boat. I'm sure that they might hire you if they need you, but they really want that passion like conservation mindset for the whales. Yeah, yeah. What uh what is your favorite whale? The gray whale. Gray whale. It's one. like the gray whale, yeah. They're they come from Alaska all the way down to like the calving lagoons in Mexico. And they're just so cute. They have all these little spots on them from like sea lice and uh they look like mottled like gray and white spots. And they just do a massive journey and they always get themselves into uh, trouble, whether it's like entanglements, ship strikes or boaters harassing them because they have the same highway each year. So a lot of boaters can predict when they're coming. Um, They're just soldiers, you know, they push through it there and back. And when they get back to Alaska with their babies, there's like a wall of orcas waiting for them (laughs) or even Monterey Bay, like those killer wells. Like they love the the baby gray wells. <laughs>